In fact, the, the sages get two commandments here. Um, remember the Sabbath day. And then also, what? Keep it, holy. keep it holy. So you can't forget about it, but then you're also supposed to keep it holy. There's some really cool teaching. Um, and unfortunately, the guy's name has slipped my mind. Not that I probably remember it. has been a while, so I was close. There's a teaching amongst the sages, and this particular one came up um, that I really liked. This idea of remember the Sabbath um, is also supposed to be something that like, it's supposed to part play out in your week. So when you're working diligently on Wednesdays so that you don't have to work on Saturday, you're remembering the Sabbath. When you go and buy your wife flowers on Friday in honor of Arab Shabbat, before Shabbat, of course, um, you're remembering the Sabbath. When you, uh, if, if, you're, if you're cooking a special meal for the Sabbath uh, in advance of the Sabbath so that you can make the Sabbath a delight, that's remembering the Sabbath. So the idea was, the, this, this particular guy, I loved his comment, he was talking about this idea of like, we wanted, let's start, you know, start early in the week, right? Get, get excited about Shabbat. Go, go plan what you want to eat or what you want to do, something special, so that way you can, you know, find, uh, I, one of the things that I find fun is sometimes when I get new clothes, I'll, I'll um, save them for Shabbat, because I, and that gives me something to look forward to. Um, this idea of remembering the Sabbath during the week and not just on the Sabbath day itself. And then, of course, keeping it holy means setting it apart and not doing certain things. So, um, someone got Leviticus 23, verse 1. That's working great. 23, verse 1. Verse 1? Verse 1, I believe. Is that not right? Well, chapter 23, verse 1 says... I nice book to Moshe say. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was a great way to start the passage for sure. Um, uh, let's read a little bit further. How about we read through verse 3? So to help me, since I was working on audio, where, where are we at now? We're talking about Shabbat, Leviticus yeah, yeah, chapter yeah, yeah. 23, yeah. verses 1 through 3. Yeah. I spoke again to Moshe saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, Adonai's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. My appointed times are these. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to Adonai in all your dwellings. As my father-in-law has pointed out many times, and my dad has too, this idea of the Feast of the Lord starts with the Sabbath. Um, it's interesting that it's not... the other ones, you don't know... You know, it just says it's a Sabbath. And right. Oh, that's helpful. Well, it helps with the definition, but it's also a festival in its own right. <coughs> yeah. It's interesting yeah, that he doesn't, right, he doesn't start with uh, the Feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts, parentheses. Let's talk about Sabbaths. We're going to have a whole bunch of those. Instead, he says immediately he goes into the Sabbath, and he actually calls the Sabbath a holy convocation, a holy appointed time. Yeah. So if you think about that, um, he's God is effectively saying the Sabbath is a weekly holiday. Um, it's, it's like a festival in its own right. Um, this is why Judaism oftentimes does lots of things to make the Sabbath special. There's a special meal. There is, of course, wine. Um, there's also... Amen. What? Amen. I mean, there's, a tra there's traditions about, um, uh, like I said, wearing fine clothing. Um, obviously, there's lots of prayers. But the, the, the Sabbath day is meant to be made special. Because it's it's a holiday, and if you think about it as a holiday, then um, well, gotta make holidays special. That's it. So, it's 
But it's more than that, right? So, um, it's a holy day. Yeah, and and it's it's healing. It's uh, oh yeah. You know, as you come back from the creation story, it's it's refreshing. Yeah, it's like say. what it's what it's what should come after work, right? right? I think most of us in the in the Torah movement that are not Jews, and we're not raised this way, I think to a man would say that the, the greatest blessing so far has been experiencing a true Shabbat and then experiencing that periodically throughout the year as you get the rest of Leviticus 23. I mean, that's, to me, that's been the number one thing. Extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the thing is, it's interesting, you know, a, a you know, psychologist or whatever else will teach you that you need to take time off. Um, God is smart enough to know that if it's not mandatory, you're probably not going to do it. Um, so having that time where you literally do no work, not I'm not going to work my day job, but no work, it's really helpful. It helps re- refresh you. It helps recycle you. It's supposed to be a spiritual renewal because, of course, it's a day that should be focused spiritually. Um, it's time to spend with your family. Uh, you know, it's. I mean, I think about like on Sundays. You know, I, I'm at home, but I don't spend as much time with my kids as I do on Shabbat because on Sunday, you know, there's chores to be done and there's places to go and there's first day of the week. Yeah, it's time to do work. It's a work day. Um, even though I'm not at the office, I'm still pretty busy, and I do have more time at home, but it's still a pretty active day, so that, that focus time is less, um, certainly less, less time to spend on spiritual matters because other things to do. So Shabbat gives you that time to do that, that time to sort of reset. Yeah, yeah. Very important. So, did you say remember and guard it? Yes. Well, so the, the guarding part is... Uh... I guess early on is 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 the, the little mealy mouth stuff, like, well, we, you know, we'll just we'll wait on lighting candles, or we won't light candles, or, you know, or, or when is it starting, or when does it end, you know, when you see the value of it, at least in my experience, when you see the value, you want to guard it to say, no, you can't stop over and drop off that laptop, no. You can't, you, know, you, you can't, you know, you're just the, it's like there's this constant barrage periodically that wants to eat away at the oh, ends yeah. of it. Or would it be all right if I stopped by on the Sabbath and, you know, picked up that handgun you worked on? You know, actually, that would be a real problem. No, right. you can't. Well, I'm going out of town. Well, then you need to get here before sundown on Friday. Well, and it helps in a lot of other things, too. I mean, it, um, I think about as, a, as an employee, Work does not always end when the work day ends. But it's really great to say, I am happy to jump back in this on Sunday, but I am not available that's right. for the Sabbath. That's right. And that's, I think, really important. Again, it gives you it gives you a break. Because you're absolutely right. Encroachment is a very easy thing. If you don't guard it, it will just get eaten up. Absolutely. And I think that's true about so many things in our lives. You know, you set aside some time for this activity or that activity is important to you. Um, if you, especially if you don't have somebody doing it with you, keeping that habit going is very yeah. challenging. 
because everything wants to take away at it. Oh, I if I sleep in a, a little bit longer, I, you know, oh, I can't work out, but I can get my I get my rest. Or I was gonna read my Bible, but instead I you know found this really interesting news article to read, or whatever it might be. The point is, it's always something, and Shabbat's no different. It's always, and that's why you're right. You have to guard it, protect it, keep it safe. Um, but I think that the and I think that's both the two sides of it, right? Guarding it really is you know thou shalt not. It's trying to build a fence around it to protect it from the things that will make it not Shabbat. Yes. But I think that in many ways. But also I think that the um, remember it part to me is all the thou shalts. And I think that you definitely need to make sure you make Shabbat fun. Make it happy. That's cool. We, we just... You and I just think about that in almost exactly the opposite way. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the same end result. Right? right. So when I think guarded, it's like these are the things that you should do. So okay. make sure you do those because that's, you know, so we're going to light those candles. We are going to do it when it needs to be done. <coughs> make sure we get 18 minutes on the front and we get 42 minutes on the back end. You know what I mean? We're going to do that. Why? Because it guards it. But remember it? Remember, remember, don't take the garbage outside because that's a public area and you don't want to carry from a private area to a public area. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Whatever side you're looking at it, whether that's keeping or, or remembering, we, we both are necessary. You can't, you can't have half of it. And I think that when I first started keeping Shabbat, I was so focused on what you can't do which is, um, I think that's normal, right? It is normal, and it's understandable. It's new, and it's it's a lot. Um, depending on how deep you go in your halakha, it can be a lot of a lot that yeah. you can't do. Yeah. Um, but I think that that I, I want to encourage people not to stop there. Um, in fact, not even really to focus there, because I think that if you make Shabbat about what you can't do, you'll resent it. You really should see Shabbat for what you can do, Amen. and you can rest. Amen. You can spend that's more the, time with God, more time with your family. And you should add things into it to make it special. Um, I love the I told the story a few weeks ago um, when Gregory was doing a teaching on wealth about uh, Yoni the Sabbath keeper. I guess Yoni. Um, Pony. Yeah. Pony the circle maker. Pony the circle maker, Sabbath keeper, whatever. One of those guys. Um, they're all called Moshe anyway, right? So, uh, in all the stories. Um, the point is it's the Sabbath keeper every Shabbat, he didn't have a lot of money, but he right. always bought a fish for Shabbat to make Shabbat special, and I think that's exactly what we should be doing. You know, pull out the nicer bottle of wine tonight, <coughs> or the nicer bottle of grape juice, if that's your yeah, you know, yeah, your approach, yeah. but but try to make it an, an important event, because I think that that will make it um, that will make it more fun, that will make it more lively, and I love that, you know, uh, you know Gregory has all these songs that they sing, and um, uh, his kids are belting them out, so you know, you want to you want to get, um, you want to make it fun for yourself, for your family, uh, so that it's more than just simply something where you don't do stuff, but it's also something where you get to do things. I, I think, you know, to your point, if you're just starting to keep the Sabbath, and I think just naturally, everybody I've ever talked to, including us, is like, all right, so what are we not, what are we, what are we not supposed to do now? Right. What, 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 what are the rules? Right. And. I think people are, are pretty amazed when they come to visit on the Sabbath, <coughs> and they're not necessarily Torah keepers, mm -hmm. and they see that, for us at least now, it's 
is not about the rules of what we can't do. It's about the blessing of what we can do. Right. I get to pray with you. Yeah. I get to pray with these schmoes. Look at these guys. I get to have people in my home. I get to drink more wine than I probably ought to. I, I get, we get to sing songs. We get to, we get to have the lack of guilt. I can actually lay out there in the sun with my wife, hold her hand, and just dream about what it's going to be like in 10 years. And I don't have to worry about, wait, 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 wasn't there something on the do list that I didn't get done? Wasn't there something that didn't get done at work on Friday night? And, they, you know, it, all that goes away. There's no guilt. Want to lay on the floor in my pajamas? Lay on the floor in my pajamas, you know? I know you do that all the time, but you know, for me, it's a one day a week thing. Yeah. It's a cool deal. Absolutely. Indeed it is. Um, so I promised you guys some bonus remembrances. Yeah, bonus. Wait, I gotta get my notes. Bonus. So just to remind everyone, the six remembrances are the standard Orthodox remembrances. So those are the official ones. <coughs> um, got a few extras. The first one I'm going to give you, because I want to I wanna emphasize it because it's um, near and dear to my heart. I will admit is not found in any siddur anywhere. Okay. This um, is a major point. This is completely made up, but I think it fits, so we're going to go with it. Um, and this one comes from Yeshua, and that's why it's not in any siddur anywhere. Um, <laughs> nice. This one's from Luke, chapter 17, verses 28-33. Let's see if you can spot this one. 28-33? Mm. Yeah, verses tw- chapter 17, verse 28 until 33. And I will give Gregory the credit for spotting this during a very lengthy uh, study of the Apostolic Scriptures that we got through last last year? Finished last year? Um, last couple of years? Anyway, uh, as we were going through this passage in Luke, Gregory thought, this, this is great. We should throw this into our remembrances. So we do. Okay, who's got that? You got it, Micah? Go for it. Nice and loud. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them. Is this Luke 17? Luke 17. Starting in verse 18? 28. 28. Go ahead. You're doing good. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed, on that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. So what's our remembrance here? Lot's wife. Lot's wife. Very good. So, um, does anyone remember Lot's wife? What happened to Lot's wife? Turned into a pillar of salt. Was that because she, uh, she ate something that disagreed with her? No. Well, why was why was that? Because God told, no, because the angels told Lot and his family to go straight away. Don't turn back. Lot's wife. Do I do I hear fire coming down from heaven? Oh wow! And then just turns into salt. Yeah. I I, mean, I wonder what sound that made, or if it was a sound. It was just kind of. Like... Well, in all the movies, it's like. A... Yeah. 
Because I think she's trying to move as she's turning into the salt. So right, right. A little salt movement going on. But it's a very good recap, Josiah. You, you got you got your Bible stories down. So yes, this is absolutely right. So the the, the point I think the reason why I'm going to read the whole passage here is because I think there's there's a there's a there's a dual component here. Number one, Yeshua says right before that, let the one who's in the field let him not turn back. In other words, when the end is coming, when it's time to get out of there, don't 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 have second thoughts. Mm-hmm. Don't, you, go, you, don't think about. Oh, I left this in the house. Right, just go. But the verse after it, I think, also highlights a more deep, a deeper, more spiritual reality about Lot's wife. It says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. One of the things Yeshua also teaches is that <coughs> when you put your hand to the plow and you start working, don't turn back. Don't, don't start a commitment to God and then think, well, do I really want to do this? Is this really what's right for me? And I think that's exactly what Lot did. Lot's wife did. She she kind of she was she was halfway. Yeah. She's going in the right direction, and she thinks, "Hmm, I'm not so sure." Or you know, there's other explanations. Perhaps she wanted to look back and watch. You know, I I knew those guys where I had it coming. Let's see what happens to them now. But the point is, she turned back. Would you ca- categorize her commitment as perhaps lukewarm? Perhaps. Perhaps, and, and you know, between a between a, a very hot place and a cold place, <laughs> lukewarm. And that's where she was. She was lukewarm. Um, and I think that I think that that's that's a danger, especially in the world today. I think you know Yeshua tells lots of parables about this. We talk about the the seed that was thrown along the ground, right? I mean, the and the the, the cares of the world choked it up. It grew at first. It wasn't that it had a bad start. It didn't finish well. And I think that so many times, um, we, we even see today, right? I mean, how many times do you see in the news, pastor so-and-so, you know, turns out they've been doing lots of bad things they weren't supposed to be doing behind closed doors. Yeah. Or uh, even even sometimes stealing money from people. I mean, all sorts of terrible things. And it's like, well, they, they didn't finish well. They started right. They had the right, they had the right idea, but they, uh, their commitment was shallow. And I think that's what we see with Lot's wife, as a, as a, if nothing else, as a symbol of what that can be for us. So whatever I, I like to throw this one in there with my, my six remembrances. When I think well, about this one, I like to think about the fact that we're not supposed to go halfway when it comes to God. Yes, sir. Um, your analogy of being either hot or cold and not lukewarm reminds me of Yeshua said, let you yes be yes and you no be no. That's right. Yeah. Be committed to what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Don't have second thoughts. It's a great way to look at it, and uh, and especially in your relationship with God. I mean, I think there there is, you know, there's an entire section in Ecclesiastes that talks about paying your vows, right? I mean, you definitely do not want to commit to something and then change your mind. Not when it comes to God. Um, and like you were talking about earlier with Shabbat, I mean, how many opportunities are there for you to change your mind? All the time. Yep. And you have to stick with what you decided to do. So that was my bonus one, my personal one that, that Gregory and I have, have kind of thrown in there. I said, actually, it's not really mine; it's really Gregory's. Um, that's the one you're not going to see in the Sidors. However, there is a director's cut edition of the six remembrances that actually is the ten remembrances um, that does show up in some Sephardi Sidors. So you may recall from lesson one that we had a little while ago. 
there was a website that I pulled up called Torah Musings. They had some neat commentary on the uh, six remembrances. They tied it into the uh, six constants vote, which we're hopefully hopefully you got to have that book you're reading now. It's a really good book. Um, it's on the table. There we go. Uh, they they quoted so they had another rabbi Nachum Lam, who uh, pointed out that the Vilna Gaon, good old good old Vilna, he's he's the great Vilna, I believe. He talks about the ten remembrances. So the six remembrances are included, so don't worry, we're not starting all the way over. And he doesn't have load. He does not have load. That was that was ours. So that was the bonus. That's the eleventh one if you want to throw that so, one in there. So four more. But there are four new there are four additional ones. So the four, um, I'm gonna recap quickly, are are the mana, the ability uh, to produce wealth, Jerusalem, and what Balak did. And there's some scripture passages we can read here. Um, we can look them up. So if somebody would look up Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 3. We're going to say 1 through 3 this time and not just 1, so we don't end up with, you know, the one-liner. 1 through 3 of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. If someone else could look up Deuteronomy 8, verses 11 through 19. Deuteronomy, what was the first one? Uh, 8, 1 through 3. And then same chapter, chapter 8, verses 11 through 19. <coughs> Who gets there first? Manual. Manual? You say 8 through 19? Uh, 11 through 13. 11 through 19 11. is the second one. Right first. Go ahead. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that, you're, that the, the Adonai swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that Adonai your God has given you these forty years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what you was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. Go and read the next two verses. Go and read verses four and five. <coughs> Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know that in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, Adonai your God disciplines you. So you saw in verse 2 there, it says, You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. So we see uh, in verse 3, the primary focus is the manna, and that is certainly the, the focus. The Breslavers like this one. They have this, the extra remembrances on the, uh, the Breslav, uh, Israeli Breslav site. That was kind of cool. Uh, Breslov.co.il. They had a neat and legendary commentary, and they focused mostly on the man, although not exclusively. Um, primarily, really, I think more than anything, wanting to talk about the the provision that God God has for us. And that's that's very common. When we talk about manna. Um, it is oftentimes a symbol of the overall provision that God gives us. And uh, in fact, in in the there's actually an entire prayer for um, income. Uh, for food and so forth, the Parnassa prayer that is associated specifically with the story of the manna, because ultimately it came from God. Amen. Um, and so the the Breslavers point out that uh, when we thank God for the manna, we should also thank Him for the sustenance that God provides for us every hour of every day. Uh, we must know that it is God's job to provide and man's job to serve Him, and if necessary, God will once again shower us with manna from heaven. So this idea that um, God says in this passage, man does not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Which is quoted by the master. It's quoted by the master. He liked this one a lot. And if you think about it, it really makes sense because what's the man? Where did the manna come from? God. From God. Did the did the people have to do anything to receive the manna? No. They had to work once they got the manna, but the manna just showed up. Now think about that. Think about normal bread. Does man have to do anything to get bread? Oh yes. yes. Lots of things to do to get bread. We got to plant the seeds. We got to water the plants. We got to <coughs> harvest the plants. We got to grind the flour. We got to bake the. Bake, bake the dough, bake the bread. And God causes the increase. God causes the increase. God's definitely involved. In fact, that's the that's the hidden miracle, right? God is always there. But the manna was the open miracle. It was the miracle that was obvious. And man didn't have to do anything. What it teaches you, though, is that what was the one thing they had to do? Go get it. They had to go get it. But how did they have to go get it? Gather. Well, no, no, yes, but who told them how to go get it? Were there instructions on how to get it? Maybe some things they shouldn't do when they went and got it? To, oh, to only get as uh, much as they need. As much as you need <coughs> for that day. For that day. Not to save any overnight. Right? And also not to gather on the Shabbat. Yes. And so the. Uh, they weren't told <coughs> until Friday. But the point <laughs> being that, that God. Is it is a big statement? <coughs> God's word. Is the focus right? Yeah. So God instructs them on what to do. If they don't follow His instructions and they gather double, then it would ter- get worms in it. Mm-hmm. It was no good. So God's lesson here is to say, "You obey me, I'll take care of the rest." I like that. And that's exactly what Yeshua says, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. There we go. All right. Uh, the other one was Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses eleven through nineteen. Beware that you do not forget Adonai your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget Adonai your God who brought you out of the land of misery out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought you up out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do for you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart my power and the strength of my hand has made me this one. But you shall remember Adonai your God, for it is he who gives you, he who is giving you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to you, to your fathers, as it is this day. My um, wife's grandfather uh, is a big fan of verse 18. Uh, he was a financial planner, so wealth was near and dear to his heart, um, in a good way. And, uh, and he liked to focus on this because he, he sees that God is the one who provides that wealth. This is really a similar lesson to the manna that we had at the beginning of the chapter. And that's probably why God quote, talks about the manna again here. Um, but it's an easy thing to forget, right? I mean, the word forget should go two or three times in this passage, in addition to the word remember. So we're really encouraged to remember this. Um, and in fact, what do we do? What do we do to remember this? Um, Hopefully three times a day. 
says in verse 10, Deuteronomy 8.10, When you have eaten and you are satisfied, you should bless Adonai your God for the good man which he has given you. Out of, out of the passage, he, it wasn't even in the assignment. He just knew where it was. Good job, Josiah. Um, Our Father has us recite yes. that every night um, before we uh, say the Rechahams. Well, bravo on your father. That's exactly right. Chapter 8, verse 10. The, the way to not forget, the way to remember, is to thank God uh, when you have all these blessings. Mm-hmm. And um, first off, as I think we talked about wealth series, if you live in America, you have a lot to be thankful for right off the bat. Um, including being here. Including being here. Um, and, and on top of that, you also, if, you know, especially for those of us um, who, who might find yourselves in a, in a comfortable lifestyle, not necessarily super wealthy, but doing well enough that you, you're not struggling every day, that's a lot to be thankful for. Um, I would say you're, you're probably in the top three, two, one percent of the planet. I mean, most people and most of history has been a struggle just to survive. And to be in a place today where we have time to do things that completely don't matter, like watch TV or, you know, air conditioning where it can be 90 degrees outside, but it's 75 in here. This is, this is truly a dramatic blessing. And it's, it's important for us to remember this and, and also remember where it comes from. And I think it's so easy. And the reason why my, my uh, wife's grandfather is a big fan of this, it's so easy when things are going well to say, look at how hard I've worked. Especially when you have worked hard. Sometimes you have. You have, earned, you have seemed to earn this. Yeah. But you have to remember that just like the manna came from heaven, all these blessings are coming from God. It's not because of you. As you pointed out earlier, God causes the increase. If I spend all day outside, every day, all summer long, planting, planting flour and watering it, that's not going to make it grow. That's right. God's the one who makes it grow. And even if it does grow, that's not going to make it you know, flower and blossom and so forth in the right way to I can actually gather something from it. I mean, I've, I've gardened before. There's a thousand ways that all of your work can go to nothing. It might not rain. Yes. It might not have enough sun. It might have both. Not enough rain, too much sun, whatever. It might have bugs. It could have mold. The fruit could literally just fall off the vine onto the ground and rot. So it could rot on the vine. I mean, there are so many ways that uh, all of your hard work comes to nothing. It really is God's blessing. Um, the other two remembrances, if you want to read the scriptures real quick, we're getting towards the end. Um, psalm 137. That's it. Go ahead and read the whole psalm for us, please. You got it. This is psalm, Jerusalem. Psalm 137. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered, Zion. On the willows there, we hung up our lyres. For there are captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Oh, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. That's shooting a pistol. Just so you know. <laughs> Where was I? Six. Yeah. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, <coughs> if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, which I guess you're going to talk about the merit certainly. Mm-hmm. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones 
He dashes them against the rock. The point of that psalm is remembering Jerusalem, remembering the importance of Jerusalem. And I think it, you mentioned shooting. I think the right hand skill and tongue singing is about fits the psalm so well because he's talking about singing, he's talking about music. So he's saying, and playing the lyre. Yeah, forget me trying to celebrate. Well, I'm not. Well, my city is destroyed, and I'm in a foreign land. Yeah. I may I forget how to even play the instrument. If I forget Jerusalem. Um, but you brought it up. You talked about the wedding. Well, you know, it's, it's astonishing that in most people, uh, especially in a, you know, from a Christian background, are surprised <coughs> when we play this amazingly sad song right before the end of the ceremony. And, uh, this is during the wedding ceremony. It's during the wedding ceremony. And, uh, you know, everything stops. And, and we play this very sad song. And you know the words are, are about um, Jerusalem's destruction and so forth. And you know the bottom line is that what, what's what's supposed to be the happiest day of your life? Marriage. Yeah, you're under the canopy, right? You're under the chuppah, and you're about to take a bride. I mean, it's top shelf. He and I have been there. Um, so this is just living up to that commandment that remembering Jerusalem. And the destruction of the temple is is going to be even above that. Just just a moment to to stop and reflect and remember. It's even more important than what's going on out there. And you cap you cap it all off by stomping <coughs> on the glass, yeah. um, shattering the glass, which is I'm sure people are familiar <coughs> with in Jewish weddings. Um, and that's a symbol of the destruction of the temple. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing to focus on here. Jerusalem is 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 symbolic, really, of the temples. And we're talking about remembering Jerusalem. Um, it is remembering the city. It is God's city. Um, but at the same time, the focus, I think, really is the temple's destruction. Because what that meant when the temple was destroyed is that the relationship with God was, was um, I don't want to say it's not severed. It's definitely not severed. Damaged. But it's damaged. It's, it's distant. You know, it's, it's like uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever had a really good friend or family member move very far away, um, you're sad. And my guess is you probably, um, whenever that person comes to mind, you probably feel that distance. You feel that sadness that they're so far away. The, the destruction of the temple meant that God's physical presence on earth was taken away. There was no longer a conduit from earth to heaven. You could pray to God. He could speak to us. He could send visions. and uh, He obviously is interfacing with us in human history. But that 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 six cent the, the five you know, five senses right if they're gone their experience with God in this world is gone you don't you don't see the smoke you know the cloud above the temple you don't you don't uh, you don't go and offer an offering and you know what and, and watch the holy fire burn it up I mean there's there's a lot of things going on here that are missing and uh, and the sages have all sorts of you know amazing miracles that were associated with this they talk about um, it was a time when you could go up to a priest in the temple and say, what's my purpose in life? And they could actually tell you. You know, you'd have to buy a book about that. They just knew uh, because the, God's presence was so powerful on the earth. And I think that that's, that's what we're missing today. And if you read the book of uh, Revelation, the pinnacle is at the end. It's not golden streets. It's God dwelling with his people. In fact, at that point, there won't even need to be a temple because we'll be holy enough to have him with us. 
Um, so I think that that is really the focus of remembering Jerusalem. It's remembering God. That kind of dovetails a little bit with the Sabbath day, um, making that an important thing to our lives. So the last one I want to focus on, right before we finish up here, um, this is remembering Balak. I had to look this one up. I had no idea where this was in the Bible. Numbers 22. Uh, not, Balaam is in Numbers 22, but this particular well, remembrance... Balak. Balaam, Balak, they're actually both mentioned here. So oh, well, Balak was the king, Balaam was the prophet, yeah. and so forth. Um, but this is actually from the bird. Of, this is actually from a book that um, that that should sound whose name should sound very familiar in this room. Micah, chapter six. Micah chapter six. I say that because we have a Micah in this room. Micah six. Micah. Um, Micah chapter uh, six. This is cool. This is yeah, a good, a good is. passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's read chapter six, verses one through eight. Josh, we got it? Yeah. Go for it. One through eight? One through eight. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, your, hear you mountains, the indictment of Adonai, and your enduring foundations of the earth. For Adonai has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Mitzrayim. And redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent you before and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of Adonai. With what shall I come before Adonai, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will Adonai be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does Adonai require of you, but to do justice and to love a kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So the recap, this, this passage is basically God saying, look, I... I've given you a lot of really good things. We've had a big history. Yeah, we've got a good relationship. I have been very good to you. Why are you not treating me with the level of respect and love and obedience that I deserve? Um, And, of course, the passage passage ends with the prophet saying, well, how how can I fix it? What can I do? And God says, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Great passage, Micah 6.8. If you haven't memorized it, you should. Uh, but verse 5 is the one we're talking about now. And I, again, just want to thank Torah, Torah Musings website for putting all these verses on their page. So I could, they didn't get the references, but I guess that was part of the fun, right? Um, but they had all the, all the passages, and that was helpful. So remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. So, quick, quick recap. What happened with Balaam and Balak? Josiah's a Bible story guy. What, what happened? So, Balaam was asked by Balak to curse the people of Israel. Balaam politely refuses, but he is said by God, if you want if you want to, okay, go ahead. And Well not go um, curse God. Go curse them. He says you can go. Right? You can can go. But only tell but only do what I put in your mouth. Right. So Balaam goes, but I I believe that what God Wanted Balaam to do is refuse to go. No, it doesn't say that. 
Okay. Well, he gets so, in trouble because his, his intentions are clearly not what God wants. Yes. We have the whole talking donkey thing. Yes. Which is kind of a cool story. We'll talk about that later. Angels or we can. Fire. Yes. We don't have to talk about it later. But then we have the offerings. There's been the offerings. Balaam goes to get a vision from God. And what happens? He prophesies. About what? About the... Triumph of Israel. Tri yes, triumph of Israel. So God turns the curse into a blessing. into a blessing. There we oh. go. Or the prophecy. <laughs> or a prophecy. Was right, there's a prophecy, prophecy too. There's a reference to Messiah in that passage. Yes. Um, but what's cool about this is Balaam, so according to the legend, Balaam has the ability, he, he has the power of the tongue. Talk about the power of the tongue. <coughs> this guy could curse somebody. They were toast. They had no shot. In fact, the reason why Balak goes to them is because, according to tradition, Balaam had been involved, I believe, in the previous war involving Moab. <coughs> but this time, at that time, he cursed Moab. And that did not go well for them. They thought, hmm, that worked for our enemies. Let's go get him, take out Israel. So the, the Bread Slobber's website, this is really cool. They, I'm, I have to admit, I'm reading this one going, that's cool and all. That's great. God saved us. That's good. We should all remember that. What does this have to do with my life today? I was a little struggling with that one. Um, and the Bread Slobber's, they're, they're, they're good at this. They said, um, I'm just going to read some of the, what they had to say. Clearly, we must remember God's loving kindness and goodness, how he protects us from our enemies' plots minute by minute, even without our awareness. So they point out that the Israelites had no idea what was going on. They're over here. They're in the plains of Moab. They're just hanging out. They they probably figured, well, we're not going to hurt the Moabites. We're going to go around them. They're not going to be a problem for us. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the way that it, it played out. With this remembrance in mind, we must thank Adonai, who alters nature in order to save his nation, as in the desert. Thanks to divine intervention, neither Balak's sorcery nor Bilam's curses had any effect on Israel. Surely we must thank the Creator for everything that he does for us every moment, even when we have no idea what our enemies are planning against us. In every generation, a new enemy rises to destroy us, and the Holy One, blessed be he, saves us from their grasp. Amen. So, um, basically it boils down to God's always protecting us, supernaturally. Um... There's a cool reference, I think it's in Jeremiah, saying that uh, no, no, uh, Isaiah, no curse against you will stand, right? Right. Um, <coughs> good to see you, gentlemen. Yes, son, good night. Thank you for, for keeping the law and leaving on time. This I is our like Two months. Two months, all right. Goodbye. Looking forward to it. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Um, so, the end of this basically the passage boils down to um, we got nothing to fear. God takes care of us. He provides for us. He meets our needs, even when we don't see them. I love the quote from the Breslavers, too. There is always someone in every generation who rises up to destroy us. This is from the Passover Haggadah. We just got done reading it. And, and there's a judge or redeemer in everyone, too. Right. There's always there's always a way of escape, as quoting from Paul in Corinthians. Mm. Um, God always protects his people. Um, there's a really funny T-shirt in Israel that has a list of all the different enemies of Israel throughout oh, yeah. their history. And it all, it all... They're all gone. They're all gone. Yeah. They have an X. All the way down the list. The very last one is Iran with a big question mark next to it. Um, uh, but the, uh, the point is that... Um, uh, yeah, you go through history. Um, the Egyptians aren't here anymore. Not those Egyptians. Right. The, uh, the Babylonians, they're not here anymore. Yeah. We uh, can't find the Persians and Medians anywhere. Not like that, anyway. They may speak Farsi, but that's not the same thing. Um, you know, Rome... Rome is gone. There's the, there's the Italians. There's Romans, but yep. that, not that Rome. Yep. It's gone. People of Israel are still here, and uh, 
I think that well, that they're the only nation that's been dispersed whose language has been maintained and then miraculously as we know there were serious problems with biblical prophecy and whether things were coming true in the in the last thousand years, there was last two hundred years, right? Serious. Well, yeah. Can you imagine but, being in. But in the last thousand years, people were really beginning to question whether some of these prophecies were ever going to come true. I mean, there's more prophecies about Israel and their return and their being in the land and the temple and this and that and being. They were dispersed from Rome. Right. Gone. All over the world. There it is. And they kept having to get kicked out from one place to the next. And then 1948, after they've been ejected from just about every country there was, oh, now there's an Israel again. Well, and it's, um, I mean, Herzl, even Herzl uh, had briefly thought about, was it somewhere in South America, Africa? Yeah. Like that new one. Yeah. Um, not that he was a religious man, but um, but nonetheless, the point being that, um, although great man, we appreciate his hard work with Zionism, Amen. but the point being that um, God did this miracle for them. And I think that and that's the idea. That the, the, the thing to take out of the Balaam remembrance to me is God does miracles for us. God protects us from even from evil we don't see. God is able to do um, tremendous things that overcome even supernatural powers beyond our abilities. Um, it's kind of taking the, uh, the manna provision almost to the next level. You know, and I think so. So the extra, the bonus remembrance is just to I recap like those. those. Those are good. The, the, just to recap them, so in addition to the normal six, there's remembering the manna or how God took you to the wilderness. There's remembering what, what happened with Balaam and Balak. We just talked about that one. There's remembering that God uh, gives you the power to make wealth. And remembering Jerusalem. So um, those are good. Uh, some in the Sephardi tradition, apparently, uh, will pray through those. Uh, you, you, uh, I think that's great. I mean, paddle your own canoe. You know, and I like Lot's wife. Yeah, I like that one too. I thought it's some of the Yeshua references that, and that's good. And um, yeah, so the, the, the end result here, um, the Breslover state, the end result really summarizes it's a life of a life of gratefulness, life of humility. If you're remembering all these things, you're kind of keeping your, your uh, relationship with God, your faith in God in the foreground. Um, and the best part is to me, I think this is all scripture. I mean, I, that's the coolest part about it. I get to the end of my prayers and it's like, well, um, not only is it good to remember these things, but then you get to read all these neat little scripture passages that's in your Siddur. That uh, and that's that's pretty cool, too. So, that is the 6 slash 7 slash 10 slash 11 remembrances. I love it. Nice job. And a, uh, and a great recap for us. I think, um, for those who are listening and, and may not be doing the morning prayers and, and don't realize that you know, when you're shakari... Uh, prayers are done. You've got the uh, the six remembrances, you know, song of the day, and the six remembrances, and so forth, um, and the you know the principles of faith from uh, Rambam. But they're there, and you know you can remember those every day. I mean, if if we're concerned about keeping God's commandments, these are commands. These are all commands. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. So it's cool stuff. I like it. Good job. Prayer. Wrap up here. All right. So, um, but first, do you want to talk about next week? Yeah. So, so next week, um, we're probably not going to record because uh, we're going to actually sit down and uh, the guys that are here are going to help uh, try and put a rewrite and uh, 
a little bit of polish on uh, on the Haggadah that we built, uh, as well as the leader's guide, in order to try and update it with some of the things we've learned and some of the things that we're we're recognizing and the balance between traditions and texts and Hebrew and, and so forth. So hopefully that'll be a um, two-week process for us to go through and um, go home and rework and polish and come back. Uh, and then we'll pick up, and I think we're doing a book study, um, but I don't know which book we're doing yet, so we'll have to see. Maybe Brock will teach. We'll have to see. So let me close this in prayer. Good Father, we thank you for, uh, for Joshua, his diligence in studying, his uh, excellence in teaching us and reminding us of these six, maybe seven, maybe 11 remembrances. Thank you for the Vilna Gaon and, uh, and his uh, additions. Uh, Father, we do want to be obedient. We do want to remember you. We do want to remember the things you've asked us to remember. And we want to be faithful. We pray soon. Uh, for a soon return and coming of your son and that uh, he would find us faithful and uh, caring for these things that he's left upon us. And we pray these things. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Ananeinu. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Thank you.